0: Esther chapter number 4. Thank you again for making the extra effort to be here. As is usually the case, if you were looking for an excuse not to come to church this morning, you would have found one for it rather easily. uh, But uh, you chose to be here, and uh, that's the right thing to do. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Obviously, there's times when we're providentially hindered, and I'm sure that's the case with many folks this morning. And uh, But uh, if there's a way for us to be there and to be encouraged by the Word of God, then we ought to make it happen. And you've done just that today, and I commend you for doing so. Esther chapter 4, very unusual book in the Bible, is the book of Esther. And uh, I have a message to this morning. The title of the message is simply this, Live Your Purpose. Live Your Purpose. Purpose. Stand with me, please. Esther chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13. Esther chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse number 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time... Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want to preach to you on that subject. Find and live your purpose. Live your purpose. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have a purpose for all of us. You didn't look down one day and see one of us and say, wonder where he came from. Uh, Father, you have a divine design for our life, for each and every life in this room. I pray that we would find it. I pray that we would fulfill it. I pray that we would live it. Uh, I pray, Father, that your spirit would guide me and empower me and help me in these next few moments that we'll share together. You knew before the foundation of the world who would be here this morning to hear this message, and I pray that you'd uh, stir our hearts, we pray, through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Thank you for standing you can be seated. <clears throat> One of the most unique books in the Bible is this book of Esther, the book of Esther. It's, not, uh, it's kind of under the radar, so to speak, uh, and, uh, but there's, there's some interesting things about it. We'll get to that in just a moment. The events in the book of Esther occur toward the end of Judah's captivity. Uh, A small remnant of Jewish people had gone back to Jerusalem under the leadership of Ezra a few years before the events of Esther. But the majority of Jews had decided to stay in what had become the Persian Empire. Some had become affluent and many had become comfortable in the culture and the lifestyle of the heathen inhabitants of Babylon. And by the way, there's always been a danger that, the, that God's people, uh, instead of changing the world, there's always a danger of God's people being changed by the world. That's a danger. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And here we see, in, during this time in the book of Esther, a, uh, a large number of people had decided to stay in the Persian Empire under the rule of a king by the name of Ahasuerus at that time. Uh, they decided to stay there because life was comfortable, life was easy, and uh, to go back to Jerusalem with Ezra and then later on at Nehemiah would have been very rigorous And uh, living conditions would have been not, uh, not so good. And so they decided that they were just going to hang out, if you will, in the kingdom of Persia. The book of Esther is also interesting in that you'll not find a direct reference to God in the entire book. That's interesting to me. That there would be a book in God's book, the Bible, where you don't find the word God mentioned even one time in the entire book. That's kind of odd, don't you think? Uh, A little unusual for the book authored by God himself not to include a reference to him in one of those books. But let me say this, just because you don't see his signature in the book doesn't mean you don't see his fingerprints all over it. You know, sometimes you don't see God uh, reveal himself necessarily, but you can see how he works. And such is the case in the book of Esther. You don't mention, you don't see God's name mentioned, but you see how God is working behind the scenes. How God is bringing things to pass. How God is working in even things that are, 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 are a little bit uh, uh, strange by the casual observance. But understand, God is always working. Hey, you may not always see God working in your life, but he's working. He's working. You may not always understand how God is working things in your life, but rest assured this morning, He is working. Uh, God may not come and announce His presence, but He's uh, there nonetheless. God may not herald His work, but, but, uh, but we're spiritually blind at times to see what he's, he's doing because God is always at work. In the book of Esther, there was a wicked man named Haman. And this man Haman set out to destroy the entire Jewish race ...from the Persian Empire. Haman was a wicked man. In fact, <coughs> Haman had an issue with one man. In fact, we, we mentioned him or read about him in the text a moment ago. A man by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew and Haman <coughs> had a, a dispute. Haman had a, a personal vendetta. Haman had even a hatred for Mordecai. And that hatred for Mordecai spread not just to Mordecai and his family... ...but Mordecai and his whole race... Haman wanted to destroy Mordecai and that hatred for one man soon grew to a point that Haman's wrath was directed to an entire race of Jewish people. So one day Haman went to the emperor, a king by the name of Ahasuerus, and he said, Ahasuerus, I've got some things that you need to know about. And of course Haman was uh, a confidant of the king. He was a, a, uh, a servant, uh, not just a servant, but a, a man of authority. ...under the hand of Ahasuerus. And he goes to him and he said, Ahasuerus, uh, this, uh, the, the, these people, the Jews, they don't have the same laws that we have. I know they've been here now for over a generation, but these these Jews here in your kingdom, if, if things ever start going south and we're attacked by an enemy, these Jews are going to link up with our enemies and they're going to be our enemies. Uh, King Ahasuerus, I think you need to be aware of that. And he convinced him... He convinced him, did Haman convince Ahasuerus, that the Jews were going to cause problems within the kingdom. And that it was in the best interest of the king to destroy the Jews. He said, let me, let me give you some advice, King Ahasuerus. Why don't we have one day where we make it open season on Jews? You see, uh, <clears throat> the Holocaust, the memorial for that was just a few days ago, I think it is. That's not the first time the Jews have been under the gun, so to speak. Right. Not the first time. And by the way, it won't be the last time. But understand something. God's people here came under attack by this man named Haman. And he convinced King Ahasuerus to, uh, to make a proclamation and recommendation that there be one day set aside for there to be open season on all Jews. And that as many as possible of these Jews be put to death. Now we have a problem. We have a problem for God's people. Uh, Little did Haman know, the woman who had recently been crowned as queen was herself a Jew. Hmm. Amazing how God is working, though you can't see him. Amazing how God is working things behind the scenes, even through what we would consider even uh, carnal circumstances. But God had it all under control all along. And what Haman did not know was that this woman who had recently become queen, a woman by the name of Esther, was herself a Jew. And, uh, and so the queen... Uh, This uh, Esther uh, had no visions or premonitions of being a hero. She did not ascend to the throne thinking that one day God was going to use her in some mighty way. In her mind, she was simply the recipient of the king's favor through through an unusual set of circumstances. And lo and behold, now she's the queen. Well, it so happens that Queen Esther's cousin was Mordecai, the Jew that Haman hated more than anybody else. Haman wanted to see Mordecai dead. In fact, Haman went so far as to build a gallows just for the hanging of his arch enemy Mordecai. He was, he was so ready to see the day when he could hang Mordecai high from those gallows. And so... Uh, uh, Mordecai Esther's cousin hears about Haman's plot to kill all of the Jews and he makes his way in to speak with Queen Esther and tells her about the decree to have all the Jews killed and uh, we we pick it up there uh, in the text that we read a few moments ago he said to Esther Esther you're the only hope we have I'm paraphrasing now. He said, Esther, you're the only hope that the nation of Israel has. If we're going to survive as a race of people under the hand of King Ahasuerus, he's been given a, a pack of lies. He's been convinced that Haman or by Haman that the Jews are evil and out to destroy his kingdom. And, uh, and now he's going to have us destroyed. Esther, you are here for a reason. Esther protested. Uh, she had no desire to get involved. Well, that's the day and age in which we live. A lot of people see a need, but nobody wants to get involved. Right, right. A lot of folks understand that there are, are uh, ills in society, and they understand that there's problems in the world today, but a lot of people have a standoffish mentality and say, hey, I don't want to get involved with that. Let somebody else fix that. Let somebody else get involved with that. Let somebody else help that. But I'm too busy for that. Uh, that's, not my, that's not my forte. That's not my strength. That's not my cup of tea, so to speak. And so a lot of people have that mentality even in 2018. But Mordecai made a statement that we read in our text that served as a wake-up call for Esther. I want you to look back at it with me, if you will. Esther chapter 4 and verse number 14. Esther chapter 4 and verse, verse 14. This is Mordecai speaking now. He said, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Just to paraphrase what he said. He said, Esther, if you don't do it, God will use somebody else. Hey, Esther, God has put you here to do what needs to be done. But if you don't do it, Esther, God will find somebody else to get the job done. Don't miss it. He said, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? What a powerful statement. What a powerful statement. Mordecai says to Esther. He said, "Esther, you don't look. You can choose not to get involved if you want to. But if you do that, you and your household are going to be destroyed, and God will raise up deliverance from someone else." And he said, "Who knows but that you are in this place at this time with this title, with this power, with this prestige, with this pull, if you will? You're here, Esther, for such a time." As this. this is why you're here, Esther. This is your purpose, Esther. He said, you may hold your peace and someone else may be used to, de- to deliver our people, but you and your family will be destroyed. And Esther, you realize, don't you realize that they're, you're, you're here for this purpose? I guess everyone at some point in your life has thought, why am I here? Why am I here? I'm sure that uh, at some point in your life, everybody under the sound of my voice this morning, there has been a, a, a the thought has crossed your mind: Why did God create me? What am I doing here anyway? You may go out into the uh, to the uh, uh, outside at night on a clear night. <clears throat> When you can go out there and not freeze to death. And uh, you, you may look up at the stars. And you may uh, wonder at the, uh, at the wonders of our, our universe and our uh, outer space and so forth. And, and the, I, I, every time I do that, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. God, what in the world were you thinking when you made me? <laughs> may I say this morning, God has a purpose for your life? The greatest, the greatest thing that you'll ever accomplish is the will of God. That's it. Because God does have a purpose for your life. You're not an uh uh-oh with God. You're not some kind of an accident with God. You're not someone that, uh, that God just woke up one day and said, hey, I wonder how he got down there. I wonder what she's doing down there. No, sir. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And, and God had a, he had a purpose for Esther's life. He had a purpose for Esther uh, coming to power as queen there in the Persian Empire under King Ahasuerus. And it was this purpose that God was getting ready to reveal to Queen Esther. I don't know what your purpose is, what God had in mind, but I know he had one in mind. You're, you're not an accident. God loves you. God cares for you. God has something in mind for you. God, long before there ever was an earth, long before there ever was a sun or a moon or stars, long before there was, he hung the stars in space and put them right there where he wanted them to be. And by the way, God even cares about the stars. The Bible says he calls them all by name. We mentioned in Sunday school this morning that God sees the the little sparrow that falls. Every little bird that falls out of the sky, God takes note of it. Every, every time one of his creation dies or falls by the wayside, God makes, he makes note of it. And how much more are, of value are ye than many sparrows, Jesus said. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly why you're here. He knows exactly why he made you. He knows exactly what your purpose is. Now, the greatest thing that you can do is to find your purpose and live your purpose. I wish I could get everyone in this room to realize this morning that there is a divine purpose for your life today. Right. Today. Everybody in the room has asked the question, what is it all about? What is my purpose in life? Why did God make me? I want to give you three statements this morning <clears throat> about living your purpose. Number one, I hear this. When You were you are made by God to fellowship with Him. Amen. Your purpose in this life... One of the reasons why God made you, in fact, the primary reason that God made you was to fellowship with him. God wants to spend time with you. God wants to, he he wants to commune with you. God wants to talk to you and God wants you to speak with him. You say, preacher, I've never heard God speak to me. No, you've had an audible voice, but I promise you this, God wants to talk to you. God wants to commune with you. God wants to communicate with you. Uh, Hey, God wants you to love him. God wants you to feel his love and, uh, and to reciprocate that love to him. Hey, we were made, the Bible says, for the praise of his glory. That's why you were made. You're not an uh-oh with God. You weren't just some kind of, you're not a statistic. You're not just a number. You're not just one of seven billion people on planet Earth this morning. No, God had a purpose, has a purpose for your life today, for your existence today. You're not just an animal. And by the way, uh, man is God's crowning uh, uh, creation. You're, you're not, you made in God's image. You're not just uh, like, like every other critter out there. The world would have, would have us to believe that man is just some kind of advanced life form of, of, of animal life. No, sir. He's, we're created in God's image. We're not the product of evolution. We're the product of divine design and divine love and divine order. And that's what God has in mind for you. He wants you to commune with him. By the way, you're not made, you were not made for hell and hell was not made for you. You hear what I said? You were not made to go to hell, nor was hell created for you. If you go to hell as a human being, as someone who has denied and rejected Jesus Christ, you'll go to hell as as an intruder. You'll go to hell as an outsider. Jesus said in Matthew twenty five forty one Then shall he say unto also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You get that. Hell wasn't made for you. Hell wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels, those who rebelled against God uh, long before the creation of the earth and, and were cast out of heaven. God uh, created hell for those who kept not their first estate, the Bible tells us. It wasn't made for you. It wasn't made for God's crowning jewel of creation. It wasn't made for men or women or boys or girls or teenagers. No, hell was made for Satan and his angels. And if you go there, you'll be an alien. If you go there, you'll be an intruder. That's not why God made you. God's not angry at you this morning. God God, God loves you. God wants you to come back to him. If you're you're not saved, God wants you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not just so that you can escape the fires of hell, but God saved you for much more than that. God saved you so that you could go back and fulfill the purpose for which you were created, and that is to fellowship with God. You see, sin, when it came into this world, it drove a wedge between God and man. Sin, by the way, sin always drives a wedge between people sin always uh, drives a gap there's always that gulf that is created by sin and and when sin came into this world uh, that there was this gap this gap in fellowship this this chasm between God and man and no longer was there uh, man God no no longer no, no was God able to fellowship with man nor man with God and Jesus came two thousand years ago to bridge that gap to to fill that void to to uh, to fill that chasm between god's justice and and, and man's sin and if we will simply put our faith in Christ God said hey you can you can fulfill the purpose for which you were made I was made to praise the Lord our teenagers sing it sometimes on a Wednesday night I was made to praise the Lord so were you you were made to fellowship with God you were made to walk with God you were made to commune. hey if God doesn't there's something that you have to offer God that I can't give God you understand that you understand that right God made you specifically to fill a need for fellowship that he has. And no one else in this world can fill that need like you can. Because you're somebody. You have a divine purpose and God wants you to realize that purpose. You were made to praise him. Hey, you were made to spend forever with him. Oh, God wants you to go to heaven to enjoy the splendors of it. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And the Bible talks about uh, gates of pearl and streets of gold and mansions in heaven and all the beauties and splendor and the wonder of heaven. And oh, yes, God wants you to enjoy all those things. But hey, primarily, God wants you to go to heaven. God wants you to spend eternity in uh, in the bliss of heaven. Why? Because he's there. And you and he will spend eternity forever together in heaven if you come to know Christ as your Savior. Why? That's your purpose. That's your purpose. Think about all the moments that you spend on this earth. 25,550 days that you'll spend on this earth if you get your three score and ten. You start breaking it down into days and all of a sudden it doesn't sound like a long life after all, doesn't it? Oh, check off another one. Oh, check off another one. <clears throat> I didn't go through and, and, uh, and, and, and break down, if you, if, you, uh, if you sleep seven hours a night, I forget how many million hours of sleep that is, and some of you still think you're deprived after millions of hours of sleep, but anyway, <laughs> you think about all the moments that you spend on this earth, all of the days that God will give you on this earth, and think how delicate it is. For you to go day after day after day after day and thumb your nose in the grace, of the grace of God when God put you here so that you could praise him, so that you could worship him. Hey, God wants you to, on one of those days, God wants you to come to know Jesus Christ as your own personal savior. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Hey, don't put that off. Don't wait for your tomorrow. Oh, preacher, I'll get saved some other time. You don't know you'll have another time. No guarantee of tomorrow. No promise of a next year. No, oh, I'll get saved next Easter. You don't, have, you don't know you'll be alive next Easter. I'll get saved uh, a little bit later on. Hey, you have no guarantee of a tomorrow. Get saved today. Trust Christ today. And fulfill the purpose that God made you uh, to fulfill. And that purpose is to fellowship with him. And to praise him and to love him. I said, number one, you're made by God for his fellowship. Number two, God made you to live in his will. God made you to live in his will Esther God had a will for Esther's life. God had a plan for Esther's life. Now, she didn't realize it. It unfolded uh, in front of her, and she didn't even realize what was going on when she became queen. She had, again, she had no plans of saving her people. She had no plans of going before the king and risking her own life and perhaps even facing certain death. Because if you, uh, if you, there was a law in the land that said if you approached the king without his beckoning uh, you to come, he could, he could have you put to death. Well, that's kind of serious stuff right there. You ladies think you're married to a bear? But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, she risked her own life. Queen Esther, she did. But that wasn't in her plans when, when she ascended to the throne. But hey, that was in God's plan. It was God's will. Hey, let me say this. You'll never, ever, ever do better than the will of God. Yeah, you young people, you think you got the world by the tail. you got all these gra- grandiose plans for your future. Why don't you give your future to God? Why don't you give your hopes and your dreams to God? Why don't you <clears throat> burn all of your, uh, your, your, your pipe? Your, I'm, I, I, trust me, uh, I think it's a, a good thing for young people to have some ambition. There's nothing wrong with ambition, nothing wrong with, with having dreams and goals and plans as long as they're subjected to the will of God for your life. You say, Preacher, what's the big deal about that? I'll tell you what the big deal is God, God makes no mistakes. And you yield your life to him and you yield your will to him and you yield your future to him. You yield all of your plans and goals and aspirations and dreams to him. I'll promise you he'll do better than what you ever could have imagined for yourself. i promise you that. By the way, God, God doesn't have cookie cutter plans for everybody. God understands. He made you to be you. He has a a specific plan tailor-made for your life. His plan for your life is different from his plan for my life. But I'll tell you this, the thing that both those plans have in common is this, you'll never do better than the will of God. Never. You see, Esther could have said, you know, and by the way, she protested. She said, Mordecai, look, I don't want to do this. This 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 isn't going to be comfortable. This isn't going to be easy. No one said God's will would be easy, but it's the most fulfilling. No one said God's will was was going to be uh, a, a piece of cake, and oh, you can do this with with no. You know, our society is so geared toward everything being easy, isn't it? Yeah. We got instant gratification at every turn. We have instant communication at your fingertips. Uh, it, 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 I got this little, this little app on my phone, and uh, the boys bought this for me for my, for either Father's Day or my birthday last summer. I forget which it was, and uh, but I can I can set the thermostat on the furnace from my cell phone. Man, that's the coolest thing in all the world. No pun intended. Hottest thing in all. Anyway, uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, I can, I can wake up. And uh, yeah, I, can't, I cannot sleep when I'm hot. I just, oh, man, that's, that's, that's the worst thing. Wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're sweating. Nothing is worse than that, okay? Nothing, okay? And, uh, but to be able to reach over and hit that app on my phone and set the th- turn the A.C. on in the middle of the wintertime. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, man, that's a, that's a great thing. I had no idea where I was going with that illustration. But anyway, <laughs> now the greatest thing in all the world is doing the will of God. I know what it is. I'm talking about things being easy. We want everything catered to us. We, we won't, we're not interested in doing it if it's not easy. Look, understand. God's will may not always be the easiest thing to do, but I'll promise you it's the most abundant life. It's the best thing to do. You'll never improve on God's will. And Esther, uh, God made her to live in his will. God made you to live in his will. Hey, if, you're, if God's will for you is the jungles of Africa, that's better for you than the palace. If God's will for you is to, is, 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 it doesn't matter what it is, you just subscribe, say, hey, God, I'm all in. God, I'm going to hitch my wagon onto your train. You take me wherever you want me to go, and you, you just count me in, God. I promise you, no one's ever done that live to regret it. No one's ever done that live to regret it. God made you to live in His will. What's God's will for your life? Well, God's will for your life is to be saved. I can tell you that. I, can, I can't get real specific about a lot of uh, all the things that God wants and all the twists and turns of where God wants you to go and what God wants you to do and where God wants you to live. I may mean, not know all those things, but I can look at that book right there and understand and say, based on the authority of the Word of God, God wants everybody to be saved. Yes. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, I, don't, I know it's God's will for, for Christians to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29, the Bible says we're predestined to become, to be conformed to the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Hey, hey, Christian, if you're saved, I know it's God's will for you to be more conformed, to be like Christ, yep. to look like Christ, talk like Christ, act like Christ. <clears throat> that, that's his will. That's his will. And by the way, if I'll do what I know is God, what God wants me to do, when, if I do what the Bible tells me is the will of God, God will direct me. God will show me about the things that I'm not so sure about. Let's go on. We said, first of all, you were made by God to fellowship with him. Second of all, God made you to live in his will. And then finally this morning, God made made you to make a difference in his will. God made you to make a difference in his will. Share with you these things will be be done this morning. Esther came to the throne a queen. And that was ordained of God. But that was not the end in itself. You see, there was something that needed to be done. And God had Esther right there at the right time to get that something done. She had a, there's a purpose. God designed a purpose for Esther at being the queen of, 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 that, of that kingdom at that particular time. There was a purpose to be accomplished by her in her existence. And he came and she came to fill that purpose. By the way, God created you for a purpose. And inside that purpose, God wants you to make a difference. He wants you to make a difference. God wants you where you are, where, where God has placed you at this time. You say, preacher, well, you know, oh, how do I know I'm in the will of God? Well, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Okay, good. Uh, uh, have you been baptized since you've been saved? Yeah, I've been baptized since I've been saved. By the way, that, that's, God, that's part of God's will. If you're here this morning, you've been saved uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. First thing you all do after you get saved is to follow in believers' baptism. That water doesn't take you to heaven. It has never taken anyone to heaven. But it is a command. It is obedience to the known will of God. God says, I want my people to follow me in believers' baptism. So, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Okay. Have you followed in believers' baptism? Yeah, I've done that. Okay. Uh, God wants you to be faithful to church. God wants you to find a good Bible preaching, uh, 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 truth proclaiming, hell fighting Baptist church, and He wants you to link up with that church and get involved in it. That's what He wants you. That's part of God's will for your life. Amen. God wants you to do, to do right by your giving and tithes and offerings. God wants you to get involved. God wants you to live for others. Hey, God wants you to make a difference inside of His will. Let me ask you a question Are you making a difference? Is your life making a difference? It can. God wants you to make a difference. God wants you to make a difference in the lives of others. I think of Bible examples of, of people who were in the will of God who made a difference right where they were. I think about a little girl. We do not know her name. This little girl, had, uh, uh, she, she had a, a master named Haman. Haman was a dignitary in the Syrian army. And uh, Haman, the Bible says, uh, he, was, uh, he was a powerful man, but there was a problem in Haman's health. Haman had leprosy. Right. I'm sorry, not Haman, Naaman. <laughs> Haman, Naaman, you know, all those, all those mans, they, they, they get mixed up after a while. But <clears throat> we're talk- Haman, we talked about a while ago. This is Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. He was going to die. He had a terminal illness. And this little girl whose name the Bible doesn't even give us, this little maid, she goes and she tells her mistress, Naaman's wife, she said, you know, my preacher... <laughs> He can tell Naaman where to get some help. Hey, my preacher, if you go to Elijah, he can tell tell Naaman what to do and, and he can be cleansed of his leprosy. You know what she did? She made a difference. She made a difference. I think about that little boy in John chapter 6 and other parallel passages in the in the New Testament. That little boy whose name we do not know, who just one day decides he's going to go listen to Jesus teach and preach and, uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the hillside there. And uh, he was one of multitudes of people who were there that day. And he had a little bag of lunch with him. He had five loaves and two small fishes. We don't know his name. But he made a difference. Amen. He made a difference. He said, I don't know what I can do, but I'll do what I can. And I'll give what I have. And Jesus can have what I have. And he... I'll just let him take care of it. And by the way, that's all that's necessary for you to make a difference. It's just for you to give what you have to Jesus and you'll be shocked at what he can do with it. You'll be shocked. I think about that man that we see among the throngs of people as Jesus is tearing his cross <coughs> down the road to Calvary. This, this gentleman who was born uh, he, in, in Cyrene in northern Africa, the Bible doesn't give us his name. But here he is, he happens to be at Jerusalem, For the, more than likely was there for the Passover feast, and he's standing there, minding his own business, and he, he sees the crowd, the, the angry mob that were just a few moments ago crying and chanting, "Crucify him!" crucifying uh, him, and now Jesus uh, 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 bends beneath the weight of the load of the cross, and Simon of Cyrene, the Bible tells us, was there, and he takes that cross the rest of the way to Calvary. He made a difference. I think about the little widow who cast in her two mites. The Bible doesn't tell us her name. It doesn't tell us her name. She cast in the two mites there in the temple, and Jesus applauded her. Jesus commended her and he said, You see the little widow lady, she gave of her penury. She gave of her poverty. She gave the two mites that she had. And she's famous forever in the word of God because you know why she made a difference where she was. That's all God wants you to do. Make a difference where you are. Whether it's Simon of Cyrene, or whether it's a little boy in his lunch, or name his little maid, or, or, or the little widow of the castle, or two mites, or hey, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. A murderer. Someone who was, who was once the enemy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His name no longer was Saul, but became the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that Paul was. His speech was contemptible. Not an orator. Not somebody who was famous for long flowing speeches. Who can impress you by his oratorical ability. Uh, a very brilliant man. But it uh, but, uh, uh, wasn't much to look at from what most, most Bible scholars would agree. But I'm simply saying he made a difference. Nobody would agree that the Apostle Paul made a difference. Why? He just simply did what he could. Where he could. With what had God given him. Amen. You see that's all God's looking for you today. This... Queen Esther, her cousin Mordecai said, You know, Esther, who knows but that you were come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Go back to your earliest recollection of life. Just a youngster. And you're wondering, why am I here? Why did God make me? Why did God put me where he put me? Why did God give me the family that he gave me? Why did God uh, give me the opportunities that he gave me? Why did God, why did this happen in my life? And in some cases we look at circumstances of life and we say, why did God allow that to happen? In some cases it would be a, a bad circumstance. Why did this tragedy happen in my life? Why this? Why that? Why did God allow this? Look, everything that has ever to happened to you that has brought you to this point in your life, God wants you to take it and use it to make a difference for him. Paul said, the things that have fallen out to me, uh, things that happened to me have fallen, uh, f- fallen out to so the furtherance of the gospel. God didn't want Paul to take his past and to just ignore it. God doesn't want him to take his, his learning and just, uh, and just ignore it. God didn't want him to take the good, the bad, the ugly, that all those things that had happened to Paul. God said, Paul, now you take this and you use it to get people saved. You use it for my honor and my glory. And that's what God wants us to do. For such a time as this. Live your purpose. The greatest thing that anybody in this room can do is to find out what God has for you to do and do it. Do it. Oh, preacher, God's done with me. Oh, no, he's not. God's finished with my life. Oh, no, he's not. How do you know, preacher? Because you're here. (laughs) Your breathing is air. If you can uh, can feel your own pulse. (laughs) If you have a pulse this morning, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan. Hey, God's got a purpose. God has a reason for your existence. You're not not just some uh uh-oh with God. You're not just somebody who got here by happenstance. No, you're somebody who was made in the image of Almighty God. And God says, I've got something for you to do. I've got somebody for you to help. Somebody for you to help. Say, preacher, you think I can help somebody? Hey, look around. There's people everywhere around here. People everywhere around here, a world is dying without Jesus Christ on their way to a Christless eternity. And God said, I want you to make a difference. I want you to make a difference. How about you this morning? Don't buy into this garbage of evolution. Don't buy into this nonsense of humanistic thinking that says, oh, you're just some kind of advanced life form and... You'll live and die, and you'll you'll do your own thing, and you'll go to your own place, and you'll you'll be forgotten. No, no, no. You're a designer's model made by Almighty God. And just as God had a purpose for Queen Esther, just as God brought her to the throne and ascended the throne at, 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 at that time for that purpose, God's got a reason for you. He's got a reason for your being here. I challenge you. I challenge you. Live it. Live it. Uh, don't just live it for a while and then go do your own thing. No, no. Figure out why you're here. And then you fulfill the purpose for God having you in this place. I promise you, best life in all the world. Best life in all the world. Hey, and there's nothing better than being able to say, I'm doing what God made me to do. Man, that's a thrill. That's an awesome thrill. You'll never beat that life. You'll never beat it. And it's available to you. It's available to you. If you decide that you're going to live your purpose. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.